0: out of you and everywhere i turn is a reminder
1: Good morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Why did God the Father create Barah Ministries? Well, the Father wants us to get to know His Son, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is God. He is deity. Barah Ministries is a gift to us from God the Father. So we have a place to worship and to learn. And all during his time on earth and even to this very day, false teachers want us to believe that Jesus Christ was only a man and that he isn't the promised Jewish Messiah. Here's what this so-called man, Jesus, teaches about himself in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says, there's salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which, by which we must be saved, other than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can a man guarantee your salvation? In John chapter 10, verse 28, the Lord says, And I, the Lord Jesus Christ, give eternal life to believers in Christ. That's the resurrection life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 say this, I, Paul, am convinced that neither death nor life, nor elect angels, nor principalities, demons, fallen angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to sever us, believers in Christ, from the unconditional love of God the Father, who is for us because of our union with Christ Jesus, our Lord. Clearly, Jesus Christ is not just a man. He is 100% God and 100% man and one person forever. And the Father suggests we get to know the Lord by studying His Word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Lord, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and the light for my path. That's hardly a description of the power of a mere man. His word is everything, and it is powerful enough to act as our guide. So why the confusion about God? Well, the Lord has an enemy, Satan, whom the Lord made the ruler of this world for a finite time, and Satan wants you to busy yourself with the things in his world system so you don't have time to learn what God has to say to you in his word. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 encourages us to resist Satan by standing firm. In our faith, don't let Satan rob you of your spiritual life with his ridiculous distractions. Today's Bible lesson, can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being a good person? Can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being a good person? Truth, there's no way. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, If righteousness, which is the admission ticket to heaven, comes through keeping the Mosaic Law, then Christ died needlessly on the cross. In today's lesson, we'll hear the Apostle Paul continue to defend himself against false teachers and their false teaching, that salvation requires our works. Well, let's hear some music. The Lord makes it clear all over the Bible that our salvation has nothing to do with us and our self-righteous works. The admission ticket to heaven, absolute righteousness, comes as a free gift from the grace of the Lord. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 says this, Anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and has been baptized by God the Holy Spirit, who places us in the union with Christ at the moment of salvation, shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved, rejecting a relationship with Christ, shall be condemned. Well, here's June Murphy to explain in song what it takes to be saved. We must be born
2: again. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Once under condemnation, now I have been redeemed. Once in the dark, now in the light, because I have believed. In the death and resurrection of Christ who set me free. This mighty hand I know I've been forgiven of each and every sin because
1: Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Thank you, Father, for the unconditional love you direct toward us. We are certainly not worthy of it for any other reason than you want us to have it. Thank you for giving us the only reason for hope as we live in this kingdom of death and darkness run by your enemy, a relationship with your Son. Thank you for giving us spiritual eyes and spiritual ears to cut through the propaganda that is meant to turn us against you. Father, help us realize how simple it is to be saved. Help our weakness in always wanting to do work that is impossible for us to do in our own power instead of counting on the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Help us to reach those who insist that Jesus Christ is not God Give us the right words to say through God the Holy Spirit so unbelievers are motivated internally to check the accuracy of the gospel message. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being a good person? Can you save yourself? by doing good deeds, or by being a good person. Well, that's what most people think, especially the religious. And in first century Galatia, the Judaizers, a group of false teachers and attackers of the churches Paul set up in this first century Galatian region, are suggesting that Paul's communication of a gospel of justification justification by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone, was inadequate to save us. So they added other requirements to being saved. Well, they are liars. They sought to discredit Paul and his authority by attacking the teacher and the teaching. And that is what always happens. The teacher is always under attack. The teaching is always under attack. In Paul's absence, the Judaizers were saying that Paul was a second-hand apostle at best. They claimed that because he was not one of the original 12 apostles who were with Jesus in his lifetime on earth, that he was counting on the superstar apostles, the 11 who remained, for his information. And this simply was not the case. The Judaizers claimed that since Paul had learned his gospel message secondhand from the Jerusalem apostles, that he had adopted it in an illegitimate way. They were really talking about themselves. They contended that Paul's authority was not binding because it came from men and not from God. And again, they were talking about themselves. In the first two chapters of Paul's letter to the Galatians, Paul defended himself and his teaching. But it wasn't really Paul defending himself. It was God the Holy Spirit telling Paul what to write to defend himself. So let's remember what we learned in Galatians chapter 1, and then combine it with what Paul has to say in Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 24, which we looked at last week. Paul, an apostle sent from God, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead, Galatians 1, 2, And from all the brethren, all the believers in Christ who are with me, Paul says, to the churches of the Galatian region, Galatians chapter 1-3, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 1-4, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, who gave himself up as a substitute for our sins, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, Galatians 1:5, the Father, to whom belongs the glory forever. Amen. In Paul's greeting, he wastes no time communicating that God is the source of His authority, and God is the source of His teaching. Galatians chapter one, verse six. I, Paul, am amazed, I'm astonished, I'm in shock that you Galatian believers are so quickly deserting the God and Father who called you to salvation by the grace of the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, for a different gospel, Galatians 1.7. A gospel, which is really not another gospel at all, because there's only one true gospel, only there are some people among you, the Judaizers, who are disturbing you and who want to distort the gospel of christ that's not much different than today when you hear christians talk about church you always hear them talking about the pastor you always talking about hear them talking about the pastor's personality you always hear them talking about how sweet the pastor is and how great the pastor's message is the pastors don't have a message the message comes from god the holy spirit through pastors and that is a subtle distinction, but it's a huge distinction. I was listening to Sirius XM, and there were some uh, commercials about Joel Osteen, and the people were practically weeping. Oh, your messages are so inspiring to me. Well, if it's Joel Osteen's message that they're listening to, then yeah, maybe that's inspiring. But is it from the Word of God? That's really the test of a pastor. They were called, these, these people in the Galatian region were called Judaizers because they wanted to make others Jewish. Now, they were Christian, but they wanted to drag everybody back to Judaism and to the Mosaic law. Here's the key, as a condition of salvation. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. And Paul says, but even if we, or even an angel who comes down from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have, uh, we have preached to you in the past. He is to be accursed, anathema. He should be eternally condemned to the lake of fire. Paul uses repetition to emphasize this important point. Galatians chapter 1 verse 9. And as we have said before, and so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received from me, the true gospel, he is to be accursed. He should be eternally condemned in the lake of fire because there is nothing worse than having somebody tell you a false gospel message and then to have you adopted. And parents, you are on alert about this because so many parents lead their children to the lake of fire by teaching them a false gospel in false churches in front of false teachers that are teaching them the absolute wrong way to be saved. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For am I now seeking the favor of men, Paul asks, or am I seeking the favor of God? Duh. Am I striving to please men? If I were still striving to please men, Paul says, and I'm not, I would not be a bondservant of Christ, a bondservant, 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week service to the Lord. There's the issue for us as believers in Christ today, are men more credible than God in your mind? I'm asking, are men more credible than God in your mind? Most people, for most people, the answer to that question is yes. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. I, Paul, would have you know, brethren, Galatian believers in Christ, that the gospel which was preached by me is not a gospel that originates from man. The gospel did not come from a human being. The, a human being is not the source of the gospel message. That's what Paul is saying. Galatians 1.12, here's a repetition of Galatians one. For I neither received this gospel message from man, nor was I taught this gospel message by a man. I received this gospel message through a revelation directly from Jesus Christ. To be an apostle, a person had to see and interact with the Lord Jesus Christ directly. And there are many religions today that claim to have men who are apostles, religions like the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. And the truth of the matter is, that is absolutely false. There are no apostles today. Galatians 1.13, For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, Judaism is a religion. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and how I tried to destroy it. Galatians 1.14 And I, Paul, was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries, men of my own age, among my countrymen, being even more extremely zealous for my ancestral, ancestral traditions. Paul, is one of the most focused human beings in the history of mankind. When he was against Christianity, his focus was destroying Christianity. And when he was saved, his focus was building Christianity up and evangelizing to the whole world. Who gave him that charge? The Lord gave him that charge. The Lord custom-made that task for him and custom-selected him as the guy who would do it. But Paul learned Judaism from men galatians 1 but when god the father who has set me apart from my mother's womb and that's how early god gets to us he knows when he puts you in a particular family he knows exactly what he's doing he knows when he gives you particular kids that he is he knows exactly what he is doing because he is shaping you and leading you to the destiny that he has planned for you in eternity past. When God the Father, who has set me apart, even from my mother's womb, the Father, who called me to salvation through his grace, Galatians 1.16, was pleased to reveal his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, indwelling me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, I did not talk to human beings. Why? Because the source of this gospel message was God. It came directly from him. Galatians chapter 1 verse 17. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia to study with the Lord alone and returned once more to Damascus. So what is Paul doing here? He's refuting the claim of the Judaizers. He was not even in the location where the superstar apostles were. And that's my term for the 11. They're the superstars. And, you know, Paul is not impressed with them at all. Paul was not enamored with getting any messages from them because he was getting it directly from the source. That's our charge as Christians today. Get your truth directly from the source, and the source is the Bible. So Paul says, I didn't go up to Jerusalem to talk to the superstars. Rather, he was out in the desert with the Lord. Galatians chapter 1, verse 18. Then three years later, after my time in Arabia, I went up to Jerusalem to be acquainted with Cephas. That's Simon Peter. Cephas means the rock. He was the little rock, and that was a, a nickname that the Lord gave him. I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Simon Peter and I stayed with him for 15 days. Galatians 1.19 But I did not see any of the other apostles, none of the superstars except James, the Lord's half-brother. Galatians 1.20 Now, in what I'm writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Galatians 1.21 Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, the region of my hometown, Tarsus, Galatians one twenty two. I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in union with Christ, Galatians one twenty three. But they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith, which he once tried to destroy. And, of course, that was true. Galatians one twenty four. And they were glorifying God, the Father, because of me. In the original languages of scripture, there were no chapter breaks. So Paul continues his argument about his authority through Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Let's begin with Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. So clearly, there were 17 years where Paul says he had two weeks of contact with three apostles. And that's hardly enough time to be schooled by the original superstar apostles. Galatians 2.2. 2. It was because of a revelation from God that I, Paul, went up to Jerusalem. So he didn't go up to Jerusalem even on his own accord. After 17 years, why did he go up to Jerusalem? Because the Lord sent him there. And that's what Christians do. We wait for the Lord's direction and we follow his direction. So it was because of a revelation from God that I, Paul, went up to Jerusalem and I submitted to them, the superstar apostles, the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles over the last 17 years. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that if he was preaching a gospel message that's different from the gospel message being preached by the original apostles, he would consider his work to be a complete waste of time. And isn't it interesting? The time frame, 17 years of preaching that before he went and checked. He was so sure that what the Lord was telling him was accurate that he didn't bother to check with men. And that is a direct attack back against what the Judaizers were saying. Galatians 2, 3. But not even Titus, who was with me, though he was Greek, he was a Gentile, was compelled to be circumcised. What does that mean? It means that one of the Judaizers' claims was that circumcision was a requirement for salvation for men, and Titus, the quintessential uh, quintessential Gentile, was not asked to be circumcised. Why? Because circumcision is not a condition of salvation. It is a message from God to the Jews about what was coming, and that was the Messiah and his cross. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. But it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in the Judaizers who were Jewish believers in Christ. And here's the tough thing these Judaizers were believers in Christ but what were they doing they were adding to salvation reminds me of my days in systematic theology how do you get saved faith alone and Christ alone by grace alone and then what do you do after that you have to take care of your own sins by identifying your sins admitting your sins and forgetting your sins nope not true If we did nothing to be saved, we have to do nothing in sanctification. If our salvation is based on God, our sanctification is based on God. It's that simple. You try to talk to people who are in systematic theology about that, and they will not hear it. Why? Because they deified the people who were teaching systematic theology. And I think it's ironic that they deified those people. When I was teaching it, they didn't deify me. Amen? They didn't care. They ain't want to call me Pastor Rory. You know, those guys, oh, Pastor McLaughlin, Pastor theme, oh, Pastor. But me, oh, yeah, Rory. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, that's cool. So, Galatians 2, 4. It was because of the false brethren, secretly brought in the Judaizers who were Jewish believers in Christ, who had sneaked in for a purpose. What is it? To spy out our liberty. That's what legalists want to do. They want to spy out our liberty. They want to dictate our choices. They don't like our choices. Who cares? You have the freedom to make your own choices. You have the freedom to live your own unique life. Who cares what they think? Is what they think biblical? It isn't. It's, yeah, believe in Christ, but you need to add this and this and this, and you got it and you got it and you got to No, that's not right. They were here to spy out our liberty, which we have from being in union with Christ in order to bring us back into the bondage to the law. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to bring us back to bondage to the law. Why? Because when you try to follow the law, you can't. And when you can't, you start feeling bad about your salvation. You start questioning your salvation. And I I listen to pastors talk about this all the time. On the one hand, they'll say... You know, in, in prayer, they'll say, you know, God, we know we're, we're, there's nothing we can do. And as hard as we try, we, we just can't do it. And we know we need your help. And then out of the other side of their mouth, they'll turn around and say, you know, if you can't stop sinning, you should question your salvation. I would never teach a message like that. Even if it was true, I wouldn't teach a message like that because I wouldn't want people to be questioning their salvation when the Bible guarantees that if you believe in Christ, you're saved. You don't want people after they've been saved questioning their salvation or scratching their head or wondering if God loves them or wondering if God's really forgiven them because they continue to sin. Amen? That's not it. We need to stop that stuff. We need to, how long does it take before we enjoy the freedom that God has given us? And that's what this whole letter to the Galatians is about. It's about freedom. It's about enjoying your freedom. It's about knowing that God is doing all the work on your behalf. And we cannot accept that. We, we can't accept that there's somebody who loves us so much that they're willing to do all the work. And so what are we always doing? We're always looking at the people who are telling us we suck. We're always looking at the people who are telling us we're horrible. We're always feeling inside like we're not adequate. Well, it's true, we're not. But be comfortable in the inadequacy because God fills up the deficiency. Amen? That's the key. Stop trying to curry the favor of stupid people and stop trying to feel like you're adequate because you're not. When we are weak, that's when we're strong because the power of God dwells in us. Look at what the word says and stop listening to the world. That's what's going on here. Galatians 2.5. Paul says, even though these Judaizers were trying to spy out our liberty, even though they were trying to tell us what we should think and how we should feel, we did not yield in subjection to them, not even for an hour. What he really means is not for a second, so that the truth of the gospel will remain with you. That was Paul understanding that people were looking at him. People were listening to him, and people who were wondering what to do. Galatians chapter 2, verse 6. But from those who were of high reputation, and Paul says, hey, what they were makes no difference to me, because God shows no partiality, so I show no par- partiality. I was not starstruck when I met the apostles. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. I didn't get my truth from men. I got it from the source, God. That's what he's saying here, Galatians 2.7. On the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles who the Jews considered the Goisha. Oh, don't sit with them. Don't be around those people who are eating that unclean meat and unclean things, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. So Paul went to the Gentiles. Peter went to the Jews. Galatians 2.8, For he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, and that's the Lord, Effectually worked for me also in my apostleship to the Gentiles. Galatians 2.9. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James, the half-brother of Jesus, and Cephas, Simon Peter, and John, son of Zebedee, who were reputed to be pillars among the apostles, these were the superstars of the superstars, gave to me and to Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. And I remember when I was ordained as a pastor, and there were about seven men standing behind me, putting their hands on my shoulders, giving me the hand, the right hand of fellowship, and encouraging me to go out and to teach the gospel message and the word of God. That's what Paul is talking about here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 10, And they only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was also eager to do so the superstar apostles endorsed what paul was teaching these were the superstars of the superstars god's inner circle and the the james that is in view here is his half brother but his other inner circle his real inner circle was james the son of zebedee and john the son of zebedee and peter and james the son of zebedee was beheaded so in step james the half brother as part of the Peter, John, and James triumvirate. So the superstar apostles endorsed what Paul was teaching and found it consistent with what they were teaching. In other words, this, there's only one gospel. There's only one true gospel. And every pastor who is teaching the gospel has to be teaching the same thing. It's the same thing in Christianity. How can you as a Christian say, this verse says A, and I as a Christian say this verse says B. If we do that, one or both of us are confused because the truth is not confusing. So in some cases, which we will see later in this chapter, the superstar of the superstar apostles even found Paul's teaching to be more impressive, and they were absolutely sure that they could learn from him. Well, when we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll continue with our study of Galatians chapter 2.
2: Why you ever chose me Has always been a mystery All my life I've been told I belong At the end of the night With all the other not quite we'll all the never get it right
0: Nobody, I'm trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world.
2: right and david brought a rock to a sword fight you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen and you changed the world well the morning of the story is everybody's got a purpose so when i
0: hear that devil start talking to me saying who do you think you are i say i'm, I'm just a an- no
1: back. Today's Bible lesson, can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being basically a good person? Can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being basically a good person? Of course not. Well, God the Father loves all of His creatures unconditionally, and He loves us so much that He gave us His Son to save us. Well, God the Father is not conflicted about giving. And my question for you is, are you? 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say this, Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against his brother, how does the unconditional love of God abide in this person? 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, believers in Christ, let us not love unconditionally with word or with tongue. Love is not talk, but let us love unconditionally with deeds and in truth. Let this be a time in our lives when we realize what God the Father can do with what we give. Realize the importance of giving and the difference it makes in the lives of those in need. I think about what the Lord was able to do with five loaves and two fishes, what do you think he can do with your contributions? So be generous with the gifts our God has given us. As Deacon Denny would say, let's give of our time gifts, let's give of our talent gifts, and let's give of our treasure gifts. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages.
3: Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. I'm blessed because at Barah Ministries, we know that God wants us to be a hero. God doesn't want us to be a victim or a villain. That's what Satan gives us. He gives us two options, to be a victim or be a villain. You're either either passively being controlled by him or you're actively trying to help him. And so God wants us to be the hero in life. But we also realize that heroes, they're going to suffer before they have success. That's just true of life. You see every, every hero movie, they're going to have suffering. There's always going to be doubt whether or not they can do it, but they can do it. And you think about um, marriage. It's very tricky. It's, it's a battle. But it's going to have a little bit of suffering before it has success. It's gonna, When you first move in with somebody, it doesn't go easy. You know, where do you, where do you do your toothbrush, the whole bathroom routine? <laughs> who gets up first? It's, it's a mess. But then after it matures a little bit, you get, get in rhythm with each other, and hopefully you, you, through grace and love, have given yourself the chance to live with somebody that's not perfect, and you, you know that they're going to make mistakes. And I was thinking, could you imagine living with somebody that was actually perfect? Ugh. That, would really actu- that would be horrible. <laughs> that would be terrible. You oh, think about it, because they'd just be, be terrible. Yeah, they'd just be relentless. They wouldn't let you you, do anything. And so you think about pregnancy, you know, to be a hero in pregnancy, there's going to be some suffering. There's nine months of trouble and nine months of pain, and it doesn't end at birth, but there is that success (laughs) of the child. (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) There's the success of the child that happens. And then you think about Jesus. He's the ultimate symbol of the hero that had to suffer before he succeeded and he conquered, he ultimately conquered for us. So we don't have to worry about those kind of things, you know? And so as a fellow hero, I want to build up my heroes in Christ. And I found Ephesians chapter one, verse 18, actually um, Pastor John sent it to me. So shout out to Pastor John. Awesome. So I Paul pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling So that you will know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, us believers in Christ. Continuing in Ephesians chapter one, verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. And we know his strength is he's omnipotent. So all those things are powered by omnipotence. And so we have the we have the victory heroes, and we have the win. So at the offering, it's your chance to suffer a little bit and get through it. But it's ultimately worshiping God and showing that you support God in this ministry and it helps so many other Christians. And that's what heroes do. They never give up, never waste an opportunity to help fellow Christians. So thank you for the, for always helping. And um, hit it, Denise.
0: There
2: is love. It was.
1: Everybody's getting tight to the vocals.
2: No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none. Could search for all eternity long and find.
1: So true, Lord, there is none like you. Today's Bible lesson, can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being a good person? Can you save yourself by doing good deeds or by being a good person? Continuing in Galatians chapter 2, Paul Paul calls Peter up to the standard of Christianity. Now, uh, the negative people say Paul is calling Peter out, but actually... Paul is calling Peter up to the standard of Christianity, which is a standard that is not legalism. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. But when Cephas, Simon Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because Peter stood condemned. Galatians chapter 2, verse 12. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, and James was the pastor of the believing congregation in Jerusalem, a group of Christian Jews, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, but when the Jews came, Peter began to withdraw from the Gentiles and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision, which of course is the Jews. Peter was being phony, reverting to his actions when he was striving to keep the law, and it was funny because the Lord, when Peter was out praying on his own, the Lord came to Peter And in a trance, put Peter in a trance and told him that I don't want you to say that things are unclean anymore, that I have made clean. And all of the things that were unclean in the Old Testament, I have made clean. So now you can feel free to eat. You can have your barbecue. You can have your bacon. You can have your pork. You can have a little applesauce with it. There's no more of this restriction or this uh, legalism of keeping a kosher table. And so he told that to Peter three times, because that's what you needed to do with Peter. Peter needed a lot of repetition. And so Peter knew what the Lord had told him, and and the Lord, even after he told Peter, had brought him to the house of a centurion and had were and this the Centurion had a whole crowd at his house and had Peter to tell them the same thing he had learned from the lord in these visions so but in this circumstance Peter created a kosher table even after the lesson that the lord had given him and was sitting with the legalistic Jews who felt that certain deeds from the law were requirements for salvation. How can you sit with those people who are eating the unclean thing? And I don't know whether you know what it means to be kosher, but in the, in the Jewish religion, animals have to be slaughtered a certain way, in a humane way, and the rabbis actually witnessed that to make sure that the food is kosher. And there are certain foods that can't be combined. So And if they are combined, they're not kosher. That's what is meant here. And so they were following all these nitpicky little rules and thinking that somehow that made them superior to everybody else. Well, Peter's influence through his action affected others as well, and Paul wasn't having any of it. So he was calling Peter up to a different standard than he was living. He was calling Peter to not be a phony. Galatians chapter 2, verse 13. And the rest of the Jews joined Peter in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. And that just shows you how influential people can be sometimes. That they can be so influential and so watched by others that others follow them. Galatians chapter 2, 14. But when I, Paul, saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, instead adding works to faith, I said to Cephas, Simon Peter, in the presence of all, right to his face, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles when the Jews are not here, and not like the Jews, how is it that you now compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? If you're living this life of freedom, why are you calling the Jews back to the life of slavery? Hypocrite. Paul is calling Peter a hypocrite, to his face. And what is a hypocrite? Is somebody who's talking from behind a mask. Why are you living like a Gentile except when your Jewish friends are around? Do you want the Gentiles to be legalistic like you? Paul continues in Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. We are Jews by nature and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Galatians 2 16. Nevertheless, We know that a man is not justified by the works of the Mosaic law, but through faith in Christ Jesus alone. Justification. How are we justified? By faith alone, in Christ alone, through his grace alone. And we who have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ alone and not by the works of the Mosaic law, know that the, works of the Mo- by the works of the Mosaic Law no flesh will be justified. One of the most brilliant verses in the Bible. You are not justified by your works. You are justi- justified by faith alone and Christ alone, by his grace alone. Nothing else is needed. So we'll study justification more in the future but for now just know that it is a legal term and what God has done is legally made us righteous legally saving us a legal uh, a legal standard that exists once and for all time simply stated the way to be saved is by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ alone Galatians 2 17 but if While seeking to be justified in union with Christ, we ourselves have been found sinners, and of course we have. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. Because God gives grace to us in our imperfection, does it mean he endorses sin? Absolutely not. Galatians 2.18 For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Galatians 2.19 for through the Mosaic Law, I died to the Mosaic Law so that I might live to God. See, that's the great thing about being in union with Christ. Everything Christ has, we had. What happened at the cross? He died to the Mosaic Law. So what happened to us? We died to the Mosaic Law. And what was the replacement? We live to Christ. Just like he lives to his Father. That's it. Once for all time. Because God gives us grace, we accept that grace and grow. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. We have a choice. We can count on God for our salvation, or we can count on ourselves. One of the best verses, which is almost a passage, is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. That's the truth for every believer in Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in dwelling me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, which is my physical body, I live by faith alone in the Son of God alone, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me unconditionally and who gave himself up for me. Another way to look at that verse is this. The I-life has been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer the I life I live, but I live the Christ life because he is indwelling me. And the life which I now live in union with Christ, in my physical body, I live by faith alone in the Son of God alone, the Lord Jesus Christ. I am counting on him totally for everything. Why? Because he loved me unconditionally and he gave himself up as a substitute for me. Now, here's the contrast. See, it doesn't get clearer than that. Paul is assuring us it, that if we had the power to save ourselves, there would have been no need for Christ to go, come down from heaven, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to be resurrected from the dead, because God doesn't waste his own time. So there are several things to learn. And here's, here's Galatians 2.21, which is a capper. I, do, Paul, do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness is imputed to us, if it comes through keeping the Mosaic law, then Christ died needlessly. And we know he didn't. Christ did not die needlessly. He died because that was what was required from his father so that we could be saved. Now, there are several things to learn from these first two chapters of Paul's letter to the Galatians as he defends himself against attacks on his person and his teaching. First, our righteousness, which is the admission ticket to heaven, depends on what Christ has done for us and what Christ offers us as a free gift. And if we have to depend on ourselves for our salvation, we are screwed. Second, false teachers infiltrated the churches in Galatia to wrestle away the congregation from their founding pastor, Paul. And today, false teachers want to wrestle you away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Who are the false teachers in your life? Because you picked them. And what false teaching are you using to construct your life because you follow them? Number three, false teachers want you to be enslaved, they don't want you to be free. They don't want you to feel free. The Judaizers claimed that salvation was through faith in Christ plus being kosher, keeping food laws, wearing a yamulki and a prayer shawl through clothing laws, men getting circumcised through physical laws, lighting a menorah through ritual laws, and keeping the Sabbath, all as additional conditions to be saved. There's the key. There's probably nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, but as a condition for salvation, absolutely false. You want to light a menorah, light one. You want to keep kosher, that's your choice in freedom. You want to wear certain stuff, follow rituals, do it. But please don't say it's a condition of salvation because it isn't. All of these conditions as conditions for salvation are man's interference with a perfection, that God and only God can do alone. So what do we learn from Abraham in Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 to 21? He says this, Without becoming weak in faith, Abraham contemplated his own body, now as good as sexually dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, all right, what does that mean? God had promised abraham and sarah that they were going to have a kid but they were too old to do it on their own he was sexually dead and she was barren her whole life matthew chapter 4 verse 20 yet concerning the promise of god abraham did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in his faith giving glory to god matthew four twenty one, and being fully assured That what God had promised, he was also able to perform. That's what I love about the Lord. What I love about the Lord is when anything happens in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt occurred, not through your own power, you know that that's directly from the Lord because he is always doing those things. When we feel our most desperate, when we feel like we can't do it, he's there to do it so that we know that it is his supernatural power that is doing it. Now, If we believe the lies of legalists and their legalism, then our joy is robbed, and they want us to think, well, if you would just do A, B, and C, I would like you so much better. Well, here's what I've done in my life. I've listened to that, and I've done A, B, and C, and you know what the legalists do? They add D, E, and F, and then you do that, and then they add G, H, and I. And it never ends. And they're always telling you, if you just do this, you'll be equal to me. They have no desire for you to be equal to them. They always want to be superior, so they're always adding extra things that you have to do. Number four, true teachers and true teaching comes from God, not men. This is more that we learn about Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And that's why at Barah Ministries, we teach God's biblical perspective and not man's biblical perspective. Human beings always want to get enamored with men. They want to like men. They want to gravitate to personalities as opposed to gravitating to Christ, who is the only personality in Christianity, and to his word. Christianity is perfect as it is. The gospel message of faith alone and Christ alone through His grace alone is adequate as it is. This is the fifth item. Truth requires no addition or subtraction. Number six, legalism is all about feeling superior to others. Rules keepers always feel superior to others, and they have a disdain for those who choose to be free. And item seven and final, our path is clear. We need to trust in God and not lean on our own understanding. Well, we'll continue our study of Galatians when we return from the Coeur Conference. And I look forward to it. Paul has much more to say to us about justification by faith. The closing moments of our lesson today could be the 10 most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the most important decision of your life. Why? Because you're one of God's creatures. And if you choose, you can be a child of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, As many as receive the invitation from Jesus to be saved to them, He gave the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Jesus' name. The problem is, you may think the Lord is like our human parents, emotional, arbitrary, and sentimental. Our parents tell us what to do, and we do the opposite, and they let us off the hook. Your divine parent, the Lord Jesus Christ, does not operate that way. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 to 27 say this Therefore everyone here who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock Matthew 24:25 and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and yet the house did not fall for it had been founded on the rock Matthew 24:26 Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Matthew 24, 27. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was its fall. God is inviting you to be saved and he tells you exactly what you must do to be saved. God says there is one way to heaven. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way to salvation, I am the truth through the gospel message and the word of God, and I am the resurrection life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. God has a plan for your salvation. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, the Lord says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is the will of God the Father for your salvation? It's simple. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. It takes about 30 seconds of your time to be saved. You simply turn to God the Father who saves you and ask for salvation. And you can do it right this minute. The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, which says this, I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins, according to the Old Testament scripture. And then he was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the Old Testament scripture. If you ignore God's offer of salvation, there are consequences. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says this, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, all references to unbelievers and lifestyle, not sins, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's first, there's spiritual death from physical birth, and then there's the second death in the lake of fire for unbelievers. The eternal home of those who reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ when they close their eyes in this life is the lake of fire. We encourage you to accept the invitation and heed the warning of John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. When you believe, you simply take God's word for it concerning what it takes to be saved. Do it right now, and you'll be saved once and for all time. All right, well, let's close with music. God never asks us to do anything in our own power. Instead, he gives us the confidence that his power is the best for us as members of his team, as his possessions. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, verses 10 and 11 say this. Finally, believers in Christ, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do namas in Greek. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, pick up and put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Hillsong Worship says the Lord is mighty to save. Almighty God and Father, thank you for a lesson on true teaching and true authority, both of which come from you. Give us the focus to follow you while simultaneously rejecting the lies designed to confuse us and to separate us from you and your word. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, right after this, we'll be discussing the lesson and we'll have the prayer circle, 40-minute experience. Join us live or on Zoom immediately following the lesson. The link to the Zoom is in the newsletter. And got biblical questions, you can ask the pastor at pastor at Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.